Hub, and Spoke. Audio Collective. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. This show is sponsored by Honey Road, the only restaurant in Vermont that has a drink called Summer in Beirut, which contains bourbon, apricot, and cardamom. It's my favorite restaurant in the state, and it's located at the corner of Church and Main in downtown Burlington. You can go there on Valentine's Day. On to the show. You're catching me on day seven on the brown couch. You were talking about the one to ten level of pain, how it was the level. If labor's nine, maybe labor's ten. I thought labor was ten, and this was like... 11. What are you like when you're in pain? A house cat. No, I mean... You mean like mood pain? Oh. I don't know. Like, just... I mean, I just kind of... I don't know. What are you like when you're in acute pain? I don't know. I mean, I don't... I... I mean, having just been through it, I make a lot of noise. I mean, I'm like... What do you like when you're in extreme <laughs> That's Susan Randall. She's a private investigator here in Vermont, and she's been my friend for 25 years, and I interview her now and then for the show. Mostly we talk about her work as a PI, but lately we seem to be talking about all the complicated things that can happen when you turn 50. In our last conversation for Rumble Strip, she was just finishing treatments for breast cancer, and on New Year's Day this year, she had a terrible medical incident that was a reaction to her cancer medication. So I went over to her house with some frozen burritos, and we lay on the brown couch in her living room. We talked about her work, and we talked about some of the benefits of getting older. Here's Susan. I do think that there's a certain thing about being in your 50s. Up until now, I kind of felt like I needed to apologize or make things right. I think I also had these delusions of how I was going to transform into my ideal version of myself on interpersonal things, on banking things, on on muffin top things, on organizational shelving things. There were all these things that I was like, oh, room for growth. And the more of these internal bleeding, radiate your boob. The more of these things that happen, there's been this really interesting shift. I have to read you this Meryl Streep thing. So part of the cool part about getting old is you're like, I just don't put up with that shit anymore. And I'll tell you why. I love this. Okay, I no longer, because I no longer have patience for certain things. Not because I've become arrogant, but simply because I reached a point in my life where I do not want to waste more time with what displeases me or hurts me. I have no patience for cynicism, excessive criticism, and demands of any nature. I lost the will to please those who do not like me, to love those who do not love me. I do not tolerate selective erudition, nor academic arrogance. Exaggerations bore me, and I have difficulty accepting those who do not like animals. 
I don't know, she might not like my whole thing with dogs, but whatever. And on top of everything, I have no patience for anyone who does not deserve my patience. I read this and I was like, okay, I no longer. So I guess I no longer want to let people into my energetic sphere. Not to sound like totally... Did you just say energetic sphere? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to let people into the inner ring who are going to like muddy it all up and make it feel crappy. I, we were talking the other night about hobbies that it gets dark here this time of year at what, 4.30, 4, 4.30? So it's a long, it's a long night. And um, if I don't want to work at night and I don't feel like reading a book and I don't want to watch television, I don't know what to do. Because I live, a lo- well, I live, I live with Henry, but Henry's otherwise engaged, usually. And so I, he must look at me and think, what does she do? What is it that you're expecting of yourself to do? A craft. Oh, my God. You're such a New England child. I don't know. All you have to do is go to, like, Greece or, like, southern Spain or something, and you're like, nobody has to craft. Nobody has to get a pair of binoculars. Like, they're just, like, when you're older... In Puerto Rico, you stand in water up to like here and just hang out with your friends all afternoon. <laughs> Everybody chit chats in waist deep water for a really long time. I'm, I just want to feel calm and I don't want to feel guilty anymore. You know, like I want to start getting into bird watching. I want to be able to, like, not have to get back to everybody all the time. I'm good. How's it going? Susan took a work call on the couch, and I helped myself to food in her fridge, which has all the same food that I have in my fridge. And then I asked her about how work was going. I mean, the biggest thing that I am aware of is that You know, as I wrapped up, I mean, I'm in the process of moving my cases from current cases to closed cases for the year 2019, that heroin and fentanyl have touched 90% of my cases. Whether they're in state criminal court and it's a possession or distribution or whether it's in federal court or whether I'm in family court or whether it's a surveillance case where a grandparent wants to know, like, is the other birth parent, my daughter already overdosed, She has a three-year-old, and now, you know, they want to have visitation with the dad. And I don't trust that he's not sticking a needle in his arm, can you? And what's wild is, you know, a wave of fentanyl that comes into Burlington in 2015-2016 is still playing itself out in my caseload in 2019. So there's been a lot of death resulting. I think there's been a lot of issues of, like, how do the U.S. attorney's offices deal with these death resulting cases. Do you make an example of a low level drug dealer? Do you actually go after where the fentanyl is coming from? How do you cut the head off the snake on these things? And, you know, for me, it's just been like really mind blowing to kind of look at the number of grandparents that I have as clients that we have an entire generation of 30 something young women who have all overdosed. But I have cases, you know, that are, I mean, I have 
cases where people have been murdered. I've got cases where there have been like, you know, drug dealers living in people's houses and who've been murdered. I've had people that are in human trafficking situations where they're high and they, you know, their boyfriends have ended up dead where they, you know, I mean, it's just, it's stunning. It's like a David Lynch movie that this is going on in Vermont. And then the number of very, very desperate, talk about people in their 70s and 80s who did not expect to be raising a five and a seven-year-old. So there's a, um, there's a lot of grieving going on in Vermont around heroin and fentanyl that I find very palpable in my cases. So it's been a little shocking to me to be like, I'm working on a case and I'm doing a background check on somebody and, you know, for whatever reason or finding out like, are they a credible person? And then I pick up the paper and they've overdosed the night before. Um, So that's like a regular thing. That's a regular thing. Like, I think at one point during the year, I don't know, I think we had over 30 dead bodies in our caseload. People that, you know, this is a case in and around people who have died. And most of them are related to to opiates and to fentanyl. So that's been a very sobering thing. And one of the big things that I'm head of this bizarre organization of, you know, this Vermont Association of Investigators, who are the PIs in Vermont, who are these amazing people who have quietly and diligently been investigating cases on behalf of Vermonters and finding answers that the cops don't necessarily want to go find out for them or don't want to take an interest. You know, we just recently got slapped with, um, there was a Vermont Digger article about how DMV was selling Vermonters private information to these big data brokers. And like, oh, okay, private investigators lose access to DMV. Boom. And so now we were, I'm, I've had to spend an incredible amount of, of bandwidth, um, not actually working on my cases, but actually figuring out how does the legislature work? How do lobbyists work? How do we be sure that as the little guy with this David and Goliath situation, like that we go in there and we explain like, no, 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 no. It's actually essential that we have access to DMV records. It's actually really, really important that private investigators are able to go out. Somebody's a victim of domestic violence and they say, I want to know whose plate number that is parked in front of my house that I can go run the plate number for them. Or if somebody's you know, a grandparent who has a three-year-old in the back of their biological dad's car that I can find out who are the people that are at bio dad's house tonight and are they a bunch of heroin dealers. So I feel like we've been in a big battle over the last month. And I think there are a lot of tri- trial attorneys and um, Matt Valerio and the Defender Generals are on our side on this because it is a very dangerous, Putin-esque kind of situation if you suddenly have law enforcement and prosecutors having access to public records that Vermonters and defendants are not able to access. So it is a critical, critical piece of due process and um, basic civil liberties that we are able to defend ourselves. We are able to have access to information. Open government is good government. And I could say, you know, back in 2017, I was hired on this really crazy federal case that was in Moscow and I got sent over there as a total psycho for taking the case um and I landed and didn't have any concept they were like oh we need you to get like 15 declarations in a week from all these Russian witnesses when you're in a country 
where the only people that have access to somebody's information are the cops, if you're not on the same team as the cops, it's a disaster. So we don't need that to happen here. So should DMV be more tightly regulated and have like us have a password and have online access instead of some dusty terminal in a back room with a bunch of pieces of paper under somebody's desk? Yeah, that would be a high like goal, like a big improvement, you know, <laughs> like that, like it could definitely tighten the reins on that noise. Um, the thing, I, it's been actually really heartening to me how thoughtful and how effective many of our politicians are on both sides, Republicans, progressives, Democrats, that if you're a stakeholder and you explain how you're a stakeholder and you get a meeting with people, that they actually listen. And and that's one of the things I love about living in Vermont is it's like we have 600,000 people. You can call somebody on the phone and go, hey, you're the head of the House Judiciary. Can I just explain to you why this isn't that simple? And that like opiate and fentanyl cases are dominating my caseload and we need people's plate numbers. A lot of these people are transient. Everybody's living in their car, couch surfing. The only way we even know who somebody is is by having access to DMV. So we were getting sanctioned for something that had actually nothing to do with us. The only thing that we ever pay for at DMV is a certified copy for a trial. Most of the time you go in the back room and you just like have some weird green printed DOS thing on some old-fashioned computer from like the Flintstones. We didn't do anything wrong. Like we actually really didn't do anything wrong. And we're the little guys that are like making a huge difference on these huge Defender General caseloads. And like we're doing really great work for attorneys that really need our help. So that's what I've been up to. I'm trying to look for reasons to be excited about getting older. I wonder if it if it's black and white to color in that what you care about becomes less self-centered. Well, I mean, you think about it. It's like I'm watching my kids now. Like, they're applying to colleges, and, like, it's like, who am I? Who am I in the ocean? Like, can I swim? In your 20s, you're kind of trying to figure out who am I in the world? Like, what's my right niche? And then your 30s, you're getting your job and paying your dues and showing that you can be good at something. And then your 40s, you're busting your hump trying to make sure that your kids have everything that they need to get launched into the world and run your company and show up for your spouse's Christmas party and have a house that's clean and make sure that your kids can do some club sport and then your kid turns to you at dinner and says like, Mom, do you have any hobbies? And you're like, you, you, you're, you're my, you're my big hobby. No, but I mean, Mom, like, do you do anything other than like go to yoga now and then? Because, Mom, all I see you doing is working and then, like, coming to my volleyball game. Yeah. So now we're like, okay, you just got into college. I just lost half my abdomen in surgeries. And we're thinking about getting a set of binoculars. We're doing a little Zumba class. We're regrouping. That's Susan Randall. To learn more about her, I encourage you to go back and listen to our previous episodes on Rumble Strip. 
You can visit the website at rumblestripvermont.com. And to learn more about her work, you can visit her website at vtprivateeye.com. I'll also have a link to her site on my site. The music that you're hearing right now is by my friend and Callis Vermont resident, Brian Clark. Links to more of his music are also on my website, rumblestripvermont.com. Rumblestrip is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a collective of beautifully produced, independent podcasts. One of these shows is called Constant, and it's produced by Chicago-based playwright Mark Chrysler. It's a science and history podcast about getting things wrong. It's really smart, and it's filled with weird history you never knew that you wanted to know. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or to check out all of the Hub & Spoke shows, you can go to hubspokeaudio.org. This is Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening.